Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor Dan Benton. Playing in a preseason game for a veteran is not a punishment. It's not a punishment at all. In fact, it's the best opportunity we have to prepare our guys physically and mentally for the season. So every chance we get to get them out there, that's something we go ahead and we look to use as best we can. Look, I saw enough of them early on. I didn't need to see a ton of them. It wasn't really that he was out there to be truly evaluated all together tonight. Everyone's always competing for roster spots. But I want to get Darius some reps on the field tonight. I thought it would be good for him and Mike to have some chemistry out there. Uh, they found each other a couple times, so that was good. All right, Dan, maybe that's going to be the latest conspiracy theory wrapped around or or attached to Joe Judge, right? Darius Slayton, he's out there with Mike Glennon. So there's maybe Joe Judge is, he's evaluating Darius Slayton. Actually, I thought that was a good question after the preseason opener, but got to play some Joe Judge because he is a, he's a polarizing figure these days. Everybody's got a comment on Joe Judge. Every time he says something, it's, uh, it's analyzed to the nth degree. Uh, and, and that was another one. Darius Slayton. Yeah, I don't want to see anybody play with Mike Glennon anymore after that preseason opener, to be honest, Dan. That was, uh, that was ugly. It was uh, unimpressive, to say to say the very least. And, and and for fans that have been so desperate to not only you know get back to watching the Giants, but actually attend the game in person, which they had not done since December of uh, 2019, um, there was not a good show put together on the field. But again, it's it's the first preseason game of the year, and uh, a lot of the starters weren't playing. You know, outside of obviously Slayton and some others. Um, so I don't know that I, I read too much into it. I really don't necessarily read too much into Slayton playing. Um, in the game either, and I'm not really sure why that that necessarily caused controversy. But like you said, uh, Judge is a lightning rod, and everything he says and does attracts attention in some degree or form or fashion. We didn't get a lot of starters, right? We didn't get Daniel Jones. We didn't get a lot of the guys that you know some of the new faces. We didn't get to see Kadarius Tony, which I want to get into. Uh, we didn't see Kenny Galladay, you know. So it was a it was a little bit of a letdown, I think, to to sit there and watch Mike Glennon and uh, Clayton Thurston try to complete passes. That was tough, Dan. And I think the biggest storyline that comes out of this preseason opener against the Jets, you wrote at one point this offseason that the uh, the O-line is trending in the wrong direction. And uh, they're thin there at that position. We've had some guys get hurt. We've had some guys retire. Uh, so the the depth is not quite where, where it should be, I think, at, at, along that offensive line. And I'm wondering where you're... 1-10 to 10 panic meter is right now with the offensive line and, and what you saw in that preseason game. Well, it's it's pretty high. I'm not going to lie, and yeah. I'm not going to shy away from that. I know that there are there are some out there that are trying to you know to calm the the concerns, but the reality is is whatever you think about the five starting offensive linemen, most of which are young going into second seasons, the reality is that the Giants will have to hit on all five of those guys in order for this rebuild to succeed and the odds of that happening let's just be realistic are not great it's tough to hit on one or two linemen let alone five of them assuming that the giants do hit on all five of them which again is is not necessarily likely possible but not likely the real issue comes in behind them now we've already seen shane lemieux go down um during training camp and with the retirements and the other injuries across the line you know especially at center and other interior positions there 
Um, the Giants got so thin at one point last week that their assistant offensive line coach had to actually step in and take second team reps at guard because that's how few bodies they actually have. Listen, if those five guys do, again, if they do pan out and they're on the field, they're going to get banged up. There's not going to be that rotation that happened last year when Judge, you know, first came in as the head coach and they were, you know, moving guys in and out, seeing who could play where. They don't have enough talent, depth, or bodies for that. So, Assuming that even one of those guys, especially on the interior, get hurt, the Giants are in, they're in serious, serious trouble. Yeah, and they're in serious, serious trouble if Daniel Jones has any type of injury whatsoever yeah. behind that offensive line because, uh, Dan, uh, they, they completed eight passes against the Jets in this preseason game, Thurston and uh, Glennon, so... Oh boy, yeah, I I don't want to see any more of them. That's an, that's enough Glennon and uh, and Thurston. I, I'll just go Daniel Jones for the rest of the preseason, please. No no more of those two. Yeah, I mean, again, and that's and that's another concerning issue that the Giants have because let's be realistic. I'm listen. I'm a Jones supporter. Everybody who listens to the podcast reads Giants where they know that, but. The fact of the matter is that he's spent two years in the NFL, and each of those two years he's been injured and had to miss time. Uh, to assume that that's all of a sudden going to change this season, could, again, it's another one of those could be possibly things, but you got to prepare for the fact that that may not happen. So you're looking at a situation, especially with an added game, so you're looking at a situation where you've got real depth issues across the offensive line, particularly on the interior. You're banking on a bunch of young second-year guys, some in, in first-time positions, to suddenly develop with their third offensive line coach in less than a you know a year and a half on the calendar. And then you've got a quarterback that, whether you like it or not, is prone to injury because of the way he plays the game. So when you kind of take all that into consideration and then, you know, you got Kenny Galladay, who's a great off season signing, who also has an injury history. Um, you know, I said this when I was on the talking giants podcast a couple weeks ago, I feel like it's a cop out answer when I'm asked about what my biggest concern is with facing the giants in 2021. But the reality is that it's injuries and already, you know, two and a half, three weeks into training camp, we see exactly why that concern exists. Yeah. And we saw, we saw a couple veterans play in this game. Slayton was one of them. You know, Reggie Ragland, I think he was one of the the bright spots, right? Yeah. I mean, he's going to add yep. some depth at linebacker. Uh, so so we saw a few guys. One guy that we didn't see that I think we were all kind of itching to see is uh, the first-round pick, Kadarius Toney. I mentioned him earlier, Dan. But he just – his awkward summer continues, right? And, and his awkward start with the Giants continues. You've been writing about this. Now, he he misses the preseason opener, obviously. he I guess an injury popped up during practice. They didn't want to risk anything. He dealt with a cleat issue during rookie minicamp. He had to miss practice because his contract wasn't signed on time. He missed more time with a death in the family. He landed on the reserve COVID list. He's not probably where he should be at this point in his development heading into the season, right? So he hasn't really hit the ground running, Dan. Let's put it that way, right? Kadarius Tony. No, uh, absolutely not. And, and you know, the sad part of the situation with Tony is that uh, on an individual level, each of these issues are not significant. Uh, any two of these issues are not necessarily significant. But when you start stacking them all together, one after another after another, even the ones that are outside of his control, which many of them actually were, 
the bottom line is it takes him away from the game. Now, he's a rookie. He's got to get in there. He's got to learn. He's got to get some experience, and he's not getting any of that. I was asked earlier this offseason, earlier this um, in, in training camp, whether or not I was concerned about the situation with Tony, You know, whether it be the cleat issue, the contract issue, the death in the family, the COVID, and now what the Giants are calling multiple situations, even though no one actually knows what that means. <laughs> um, the bottom line is, all told, the concern is growing. It is mounting, and it probably should be even even Jason Garrett and Thomas McGahee acknowledged earlier this week during their press conferences that Tony not getting on the field is holding him back as good as he's doing in the classroom and apparently he's doing quite well there in, in regards to learning the playbook the systems and what he should and shouldn't be doing the bottom line is this, if he doesn't get out on the field he's going to be held back the NFL is a different level obviously than college it's a big step up in terms of speed and talent and if you aren't out there on the field practicing and you're not out there in the preseason playing expectations cannot be that high going into the season. There's just been storylines and conspiracy theories all summer long, Dan. I mean, you have been a busy man covering this team just to skim through some of them. I mean, there's there's too much to cover probably in, in, in what we're doing this week, but we'll, we'll try to get to it throughout the summer here. Uh, Joe Judge being so mean that players keep retiring. That was a big story <laughs> that I caught uh, with Kelvin Benjamin kind of being right at the center of that thing right yeah, uh, and, and that was that didn't that didn't work out there was the the brawl which i loved uh, you know those headlines where giants have a full team training camp brawl and daniel jones is at the bottom of the pile i'm like oh well, i gotta read this one and then the uh the expletive laden tirade by judge and he's yelling at his team and making them run laps and sprints and stuff and then ends practice i mean all that stuff so there was the brawl Guys just abruptly retiring, some of them like a week after they even, you know, they sign. Uh, my personal favorite is Dave Gettleman recently having to shoot down these rumors that have popped up that the, you know, the Giants mo- made a move with Chicago for that first round pick in 2022, trading back to get Kadarius Tony because the team wants leverage in case Daniel Jones sucks and they need to move up to get a quarterback next year, right? I, that's that one really got me. It's like, huh. If that's the that's a kind of an elaborate plan when you could have had Justin Fields at number eleven, you could have just stayed put and had Justin Fields who, ooh, he looks kind of good in Chicago, doesn't he? Justin Fields looks kind of good so far. Uh, looks like he could play a little bit, but I don't know, man. There's just been it's been one thing after the other with the with the Giants. We talked about Joe Judge being a lightning rod. The whole team seems like it's a lightning rod, Dan. I don't know how you've been keeping up with all this stuff. Well, it's it's actually fascinating, I, and I don't know what it is about the Giants. The Giants haven't been really relevant as far as wins and losses in about a decade, and yet this is the sort of attention and rumor-mongering that they continue to draw year after year after year. It's actually a surreal in its own little way. I don't know if it's a disdain for uh, Dave Gettleman that obviously exists, for Daniel Jones that obviously exists, uh, even for Joe Judge that obviously exists, even though I really can't understand that one. It just is what it is. The Giants, the Giants as a whole, not just Judge. Judge is the main light, lightning rod, but the Giants as a whole are a lightning rod. And 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 I think a lot of what goes on, especially in the coverage of this team from the national media, just doesn't meet reality. It's it's just almost like these stories are being created out of thin air, and and there are people that have never stepped foot in East Rutherford offering all these takes and these opinions that then get run away uh, by the national media about how horrible it is. But you talk to any of the people actually inside the building, 
and and the perception of what's going on compared to what the perception is on the outside it's like night and day they're two totally different things it's oil and water and they don't they don't match in any form or fashion and it's 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 sort of fascinating to watch but it's also sort of frustrating when you're covering the team because you know the people that aren't following the day-by-day coverage and they're only getting these you know these outside looks at what's going on you know and it's not exclusive to me i I would imagine it applies to every single writer for this team that's that's intimately involved and ingrained in the giants organization you know are getting these weird questions and having to debunk these crazy rumors and these ridiculous comments and it's it's almost become like a second full-time job in addition to covering the giants no it's keeping you on your toes there's no doubt about it And, and you're and you do well coming to joe judge's defense coming to Daniel Jones' defense. I can always count on you, Dan, uh, to get on Giants Wire and write something. Well, yeah, well, and stuff down. So, much of it, so much of it is just patently untrue <laughs> that it's just like you can't even ignore it. Like <laughs> like uh, Sean Smith, veteran, retired uh, defensive lineman, Sean Smith, I believe that's who it was, said a couple weeks ago that the judge, you know, he, he hasn't never won anything despite multiple national championships and Super Bowl rings, claiming that he's, you know, he's just an egotistical man who doesn't care about anything other than his hair, which I thought was one of the most bizarre comments I'd ever heard. Because, <laughs> like, where do you even get that from? And and then you've got these former Giants who have never actually, you know, visited the team or, or saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, he's running these guys, you know, running all these veterans to retirement. Um, and, yeah, you know, the retirements, they definitely look up. But, you know, you break them down individually and each one has its own story. You know, the Kelvin Benjamin thing, he came to training camp, you know, exceptionally overweight after being told to drop his weight. He wasn't even going to be released at first. He was just going to be fined. He didn't take that well and basically quit, said he was going to retire. Todd Davis wasn't necessarily sure he was going to play this season anyway. He came in. And ultimately decided he wanted to go back with his family. He just started a brand new business. He wanted to run his business. You know, Joe Looney, he came in and was doing the practice and admitted straight out that, you know, he, he physically he just couldn't do it. It was time to walk away from the game. Zach Fulton, sort of the same thing. And, you know, out the door, you know, three of the four of them praised Judge, the coaching staff, said, I've never been as part of coaching staff that, that cares as deeply about their players as these guys this, these guys in this organization do. But that's not the story that you'll read nationally. And th- those aren't the things that you'll hear on a national level or on Twitter. And yet, in the same vein, you have people like Justin Tuck, OCU Manora, Phil Sims, Matthias Kiwanuka. The list goes on and on coming in, visiting with the Giants, seeing firsthand what's going on. And they're coming back and saying, boy, I wish I could play for that guy. So, you know, the disconnect is real and, and it's pretty extreme. And I honestly, in 18 years of covering this team, I don't know I've ever seen anything like it. The next storyline is going to be uh, the giant, you know, John Mayer and company paying out hush money. To, to say nice things about Joe Chet to the media to kind of deflect uh, all these national narratives. No, no, no. Uh, no, it's it's never a dull moment with the Giants, and we're going to – which makes it good for us, Dan. Plenty of content to cover, and there's there's a lot, and we'll get to it all. Uh, but, you know, if you listen to our show you know, during the regular season, especially last year, we had little segments on fantasy and sports betting, helping us out, Dan, you know, giving us some advice. And, uh, you know, we, we'll have that again during the regular season this year. But for now, I'm just going to keep us fresh, Dan, keep, keep us paying attention to those things. So I got a fantasy question and a sports betting question relative to the Giants. We'll do that coming up next. All right, Dan, one player we haven't mentioned yet in the pod this week is uh, Saquon Barkley. He is back practicing. Hopefully we see him week one. I think he's on track. And I think a big question in fantasy drafts this year is, can you trust drafting 
Saquon Barkley in these redraft leagues. I think in Dynasty, it's one thing. He's going to, you know, if you're starting a Dynasty league, Saquon's going to go in the first round. But if you're in a redraft league in PPR right now, he's going around number nine overall in, in the, some of these PPR drafts. You know, you, maybe a little higher, uh, but number nine is the average. And for a guy who two years ago, and I looked up those stats from his rookie year, Dan, and they are freaking insane. I forgot how unbelievable his numbers were. 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns. He also caught 91 passes for 721 yards that year. Uh, So I think he had like, what, 15 total touchdowns. I mean, he was unbelievable just two years ago. He's only 24. Now he's coming off the ACL and he did take a step back in 2019. We know 2020 was a disaster, you know, for fantasy purposes, because people probably spent, you know, the number two overall pick, number three overall pick on Saquon and then got burned when he got hurt against Chicago. But, you know, at that average draft position, number nine overall, are you buying or selling Saquon this year? Do you think he's going to have a bounce back year? Which I mean, we see the legs. I saw the legs on Instagram. Those things look good. Uh, but is he going to stay healthy and have a big year, you think? Well, I got to tell you, he's not really doing very many team drills right now. Actually, earlier this week, he took part in seven-on-sevens for the first time, but did so with a red non-contact jersey, which I don't know that I've ever seen for non-quarterback. But, you know, in the flashes that we've seen of Barkley, he looks phenomenal. Like, he looks like the old Saquon Barkley. The problem with that is, is, you know, whether fair or not, he's had back-to-back injury-plagued seasons. It was the high ankle sprain, you know, two years ago. It was the ACL last year. He's not even a year removed from that ACL tear. I know that the, you know, the idea is to get him back on the field come week one, but I don't know how realistic that actually is. And I know that seems a little pessimistic in the minds of some But the reality is he's not stepped on the field to play in an actual competitive setting since week two of last season. He's probably not going to get that experience this preseason. Um, And are the Giants really going to risk just throwing him back out there for 30 carries a game in in week one against the Broncos? And I just don't necessarily believe that that's going to be the case. So in drafting Saquon, you're not only going to have to take the injury history and the injury potential into consideration, you probably are going to have to swallow the reality that he's not going to play in week one if he does it's going to be an exceptionally limited role probably even a limited role in week two and you know maybe by week three he's back to those 30 carries you know you know 90 whatever i mean 90 percent of the offensive snaps whatever it may be so right out of the gate he kind of have to shave two games off his season so from a fantasy football perspective does that make him worthy of the number nine overall pick you know for those 15 games assuming he stays healthy absolutely but you're basically sacrificing potentially two games, you know, at the minimum, uh, taking Saquon in the top 10. I don't, I don't know if there's even a good matchup for any Giants running back against the Broncos in week one. That's that's going to be one of the best defenses in the league. Right. So, yeah, so Saquon, expect a slow start. But, you know, if you know, I hear what Dan's saying. He, if he starts picking up steam and momentum and they start giving him his normal touches back by week three or week four, uh, I think he's worth investing a, a late first round pick, but but don't reach for him early. I, I think that's a good that's a good way to go. All right, my sports betting question for you, Dan, is one of my favorites because I know the Giants had a big offseason. They made some big moves. We've talked about Galladay and, and you know trading back and getting Kadarius Tony in, in the first round this year. They they've added weapons, Kyle Rudolph. You know, obviously putting guys around Daniel Jones to try to compete with the Cowboys this year, and that makes me look at the NFC East. Futures odds. And on and, and the app I use, the Cowboys remain the big favorite with Dak Prescott back. He, they're at plus 130. Interestingly enough, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Washington football team are next in line 
at plus 230, the uh, reigning division champs, right? And the Giants are kind of a distant third at plus 450 ahead of the Eagles. So how much do you believe in your G-men this year, Dan? I mean, that is, that's a big number, plus 450 uh, to win the NFC East. How, how do you feel about the G-men? Do you feel good enough that you would put some money down for them to overtake Dallas and win the division this year? Or are they kind of far away from the Cowboys at this point entering the season? Honestly, I think the Giants' defense makes them, you know, a safe bet. And, you know, no matter what you your concern is when it you know, comes to the offense, the offensive line, Daniel Jones, the health of Barkley, the health of Galladay and Rudolph and Tony and everything else, the Giants' defense is extremely talented. It's extremely deep. It's extremely well coached. And now they've got some, you know, edge rushers that can create some pressure without blitzes. And I don't care what anybody says. In this league, in every league in years past in every league in years future defense is going to win championships it's going to win divisions it's going to win games and the giants arguably have the best defense you know in the nfc east and that you know that's not to shade washington's defense which is also extremely impressive but i don't think that dallas is going to be able to keep pace against these elite defenses when their defense is you know maybe middle of the road no granted that's, that's you know, being they, nice <laughs> yeah yeah right and granted they they certainly have some offensive firepower there's no doubt about it but you know even even looking ahead to those games they don't necessarily concern me from a giants perspective like they maybe would have in the past uh, because the, the defense really is just that potentially dominant. They could easily have one of the best, not just in the division, but possibly even in the entire league. You know, Patrick Graham is getting some head coaching interest. So I think that alone, we saw it in 2006 with the Giants under Ben McAdoo, a great defense carried them to the playoffs. It obviously, you know, faded, you know, in the, in the playoffs, but it did carry them there. And, and on top of that, I couldn't even tell you, I, I don't know offhand, but I know it's been a while. The Giants, I mean, the NFCs tend not to have back-to-back division winners. That's just not how this division goes. It's, it's, it's unpredictable. It's wide open all the time. I don't think that's going to be any different this year. Could any of those three teams win the division? Absolutely. Um, but I would not necessarily put the Giants that far back um, in comparison to Washington, in comparison to Dallas. And I know some Eagles fans aren't going to like it, but they're right where they belong. So um, whether or not I would, I'm not a betting man, but if you are, you know, you are a betting person, I, I would not be afraid to play some money on the Giants. I love it. Yeah, I think that number is uh, it's a balloon plus 450. There's some value there if you believe yep. in the G-men. But you know what? Hey. People either love the Giants this year, Dan, or hate the Giants. There's not a lot of right. people that are like lukewarm. It's either it's one or the other. It's the extremes, and that's just how it is with this team. And it's it's a beautiful thing, you know. It, it's good to be back talking about it because it's just every week it's just more fodder, and it's just tremendous. I love it. It is. It's always it is. It's a it's wild. It's wild to cover the Giants anymore. The last few years, it's just really been it's really been quite the experience. And this year. Uh, you know, really sort of setting it up, you know, it, it, that it's going to be more of the same, a lot of crazy, a lot of, a lot of wild, but you know what, looking back on last year, they were extremely competitive in just about every game, not every game, but most games and personnel wise, they're substantially better than they've been in a decade. They're obviously extremely well coached better than they have been since Tom Coughlin's time. Um, there's a lot to like. It's really, it really boils down to health, um, depth along the offensive line and whether or not Daniel Jones could take that leap. And I think they're all sort of interconnected. So a lot of the risk that is carried with betting on the Giants or believing in the Giants, even if you aren't a better, uh, really fall on the offensive side of the ball like, like it's been. Uh, but that really boils down more to health than anything else. If the Giants stay healthy on offense, 
the sky's the limit for this team. That's Dan Benton. Make sure you're checking out the Giants Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary. It's good to be back. We'll talk to you all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.